we're going to begin by going uh, to some time travel. Let's, let's put it that way. We're going to go back in time 3,000 years to the time when the, uh, the nation of Israel was brand new and had their first king, Saul, the king. Israel's a new nation, but, but the prophet Samuel is sent by God on a dangerous mission. And that mission is to find for Israel a new king while the powerful King Saul is still on the throne. And as you can imagine, Saul was not at all in favor of this. Saul had gotten increasingly proud and had disobeyed some of the commands of God. So God rejected him and wanted to replace him on the throne. So Samuel, the prophet, is called to put his own life in danger in seeking out a new king for Israel. But this new king will be found in a most unlikely place. The Lord said to Samuel, Go and find a righteous man named Jesse. One of his seven sons will be the new king. So one after the other, the sons of Jesse come before Samuel. And it appears that they are all good candidates. They're, they're strong, they're capable, they're intelligent. The, the first son, whose name was Eliab, comes forward. And the Lord says, not this one. The second son, Abinadab. Not this one, says the Lord. The third son, Shema. Guess what the Lord said? <laughs> Not this one. Not this one either. So three more of Jesse's sons then come before Samuel and all are rejected in turn. Finally, the Lord says to Samuel, do not look at their appearance or the height of their stature. I have rejected them because I do not look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. So Samuel says to Jesse, is this it? Are all your sons here? And Jesse replies, well, there's one more. My, my youngest son is not here. He's, he's out in the fields keeping sheep, but he's young. Well, go and get him, says Samuel. Scripture tells us that this youngest son was ruddy or tanned from all his time outdoors with the sheep, but he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. So they brought the young son in, David, who came before the prophet. And, and finally, finally, the Lord says to Samuel, this is the one. Rather than choosing a king from the princes and the leaders of Israel, the Lord Almighty turns to a young shepherd who, who apparently has few qualifications to be king other than this. He found favor in God's sight. Reading between the lines just a bit, I, I think both Samuel and David's father, Jesse, were surprised with God's choice. 
After all, David, after all, was barely 20 years old. The Bible tells us then that Samuel anointed David and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Of course, many of us know uh, David's story from then on. He, he would become a great king of Israel, a poet and a songwriter, king who reigned for 40 years. In fact, the psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm, is attributed to David, the troubadour king, if you will. And David's son Solomon was, Solomon was just as great as he was. Solomon reigned for another 40 years following the death of David. The prophet Samuel finds himself confronted by a God who keeps saying to him again and again, not this one, not this one. Samuel is being asked by God to see, to see differently, to look at the situation before him with new eyes. Today's gospel story is also about seeing with new eyes. New vision, both physical and spiritual. Central character in the story today from John is a man who has been born blind, but who, after his sight is restored, in a way reveals the blindness that is in those all around him, from his neighbors and his family to the religious leaders who are nearby to even Jesus' own disciples. The disciples and, and the villagers are... are are caught up like everyone else in, in the beliefs of their own day. It is the water that they swim in. In their world, blindness, like all physical suffering, indicated there was some sort of sin present. The blindness was seen as an act of divine judgment. And the religious authorities could not could not appreciate the miracle of the blind man's healing because they too were, they were too focused on the rules of their religious tradition. For them, the only thing that mattered was that Jesus had violated a commandment by healing this man on the Sabbath. Now, we wonder at, at those, those ways of thinking, but we, just like the disciples, and like the religious leaders, we have our own limitations of sight. I wonder if we are not caught up in the same conventions that Samuel found himself in as he looked over Jesse's sons. Samuel's first inclination and instinct was to, to see a potential king in the, in the oldest and the tallest and the strongest of Jesse's sons. But it was the one who was overlooked, forgotten, the youngest and the least who was chosen. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. This Sunday, our, our Lenten journey brings us to a place where we too are called to acknowledge our own blindness 
and to seek Jesus' healing touch. Lent is often thought of as a season of change where we, we make certain promises to ourselves, to God. We, we make changes in our life, in, in our devotional life. And Has your world been turned upside down by Lent? Has our church been turned upside down? Has our world been challenged by Lent? We, as the people of God, have our own set ways, our own pet methods of going about our business. Uh, there's a joke out there that, that um, uh, the, the portion of scripture that most refers to Episcopalians is when Paul told the Corinthian church, let all things be done decently and in order. That's the way we like it. We like it decently and in order. We want to do the same thing week after week. Well, maybe not all of us, but in that way, we are sort of like the Pharisees in the Gospel of John. Will we react in the same way as they did when the Spirit of the Lord shows up in a mighty way? Over the past 10 years, our presiding Bishop Blessed Michael Curry has, has gotten really, really good at challenging this church that our old ways of being and doing church will have to change if we are to be renewed. Indeed, if we are to grow not just in numbers, but in spirit, we must be prepared to see the world, the church, and each other with different eyes. And how would that world look if we allowed Jesus to change our way of seeing, to, to heal our blindness, if you will? We might find little springtimes of faith, of faith blooming and, and rising up in ways that we had not imagined before and in, in ways that will bring new life to our ministries and to our communities, to those around us. We, we might discover a spirit that we thought we had lost. Do we dare risk the journey of the man born blind? Do we dare venture out like Samuel did to find something new in the unlikeliest of places? We need only the eyes of faith to see the Lord work in our church and in the world today. So speaking of time traveling, I did a bit of time traveling myself this past week, and my journey began at Regal Cinema at 100 Oaks. My wife Lee and I went to see a movie called The Jesus Revolution. Has anyone heard of this? The Jesus Revolution? Well, The Jesus Revolution movie is a chronicle of the early days of the Jesus movement that emerged out of the counterculture of the late 60s in California. Somehow, some way, a group of scruffy hippies found their way from San Francisco area to, to a tiny traditional church called Calvary Chapel, whose pastor, Chuck Smith, welcomed them in. And before long, thousands were being baptized 
in the Pacific, a work of God that sprang up in the most unlikely of places. Well, for me, in that dark theater, all of a sudden, it was 1973 again. I grew up in central Pennsylvania near a town called Altoona in the mountains, the, the uh, Allegheny Mountains. And it took until 1973 for the Jesus movement to wash up on the shores of Altoona. Something began to happen there. I was young, but I had the sense, I had a sense in my heart and in my spirit that God was moving and was active and present. There was something palpable. There was, there was electricity in the air. It felt like anything could happen. Tonight's Breaking Bread at Six service, and I'm the pastor for the Breaking Bread at Six community that meets here every Sunday night. Tonight's Breaking Bread at Six service is going to be worship in the Taze tradition. If you're not familiar with Taze uh, worshiping tradition, it grew out of a, of a monastic community in the small village of Taze, France. A man named Roger, Brother Roger, uh, washed up, if you will, in the village of Taze in 1940, began working with some of the refugees from the war, and in a few years gathered a group of followers around him, and they formed a monastic community there called Taze. Sometime in the 50s and 60s, they began to write their own music, and that music, in the course of time, spread throughout all of Christendom, and it came to the Anglican Communion and, and, and so many others. But there was nothing going on in the village of Taize in 1940. It, it was the least likely place for a great movement of God to spring up, but God raised up a new work there, and it's, had, it's, it's spread through the world. My friends, it is all too easy to remain blind and to miss what God is doing. It is far too easy to overlook God's favored ones in our world today. It is tempting to believe that the world as it is must be the world as it is meant to be and always will be. But the word of the Lord still has the power to change everything. I find myself wondering who, who or what am I overlooking today? What am I not seeing? What is God even now bringing to life that I am not aware of? If there is anything I've learned in nearly 30 years of ordained ministry, it is that God is always up to something. The story of God's love for his people is not over, and you and I are as much a part of that story as was young David the shepherd, or the man born blind, or the Jesus people, the Jesus freaks of Cal Calvary Chapel, or the brothers of Taze. We may be tempted to think that we are forgotten, that we don't matter, that most of us are not powerful or wealthy, very few of us have much clout or authority as the world knows it. Most of us quietly go along in our lives and not realizing the abundant favor that God has bestowed on us. 
Remember, God's measure of greatness is far different from that of the world. Remember that God looks on not on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. Who we are does matter. And we are all bearers and witnesses of the Lord's transforming word. The Lord God Almighty looks upon each of us today as he did upon the shepherd boy, David, and proclaims anew, this is the one. Amen.